Blog Talk Radio. Sunday, and we're taking you around the world of college basketball in 30 minutes. And we start with a team that I really thought would be a deep threat in the Big 12. And this shows how, really, this league at the top, it does justice to, it speaks volumes to how good Kansas is. The fact that the Jayhawks have been able to sit at the top of that league for so long, and the Jayhawks losing to Kansas State last night, but still with a half-game lead over Iowa State. And the Jayhawks, who really, I think, got Texas's slide rolling into a bigger thing than one might have thought earlier this season. What's wrong with the Longhorns? Texas has been one of college basketball's biggest disappointments. Miles Turner and Cameron Ridley were supposed to be outstanding together. But you know what? Freshman comes in, Turner, and he's looked like he has great potential, but just hasn't meshed. Texas is backward, as Isaiah Taylor. Beyond that, there's some question marks. Down low, Ridley tonight was not good. Four points. Six done. Jonathan Holmes with just six points. Turner in 24 minutes, seven points, four fouls. Texas falls at West Virginia, 71 to 64. Now, the Mountaineers have one of have been one of college basketball's biggest surprises. Juwan Staten only had seven points tonight. He played 34 minutes, handed out four assists. What I like about this team is they don't need Staten to go off. They didn't need him to go off tonight. Daxter Miles Jr., Devin Williams, Jonathan Holden. Those guys 
tough matchups. Holden and Williams playing it down low. Holden and Williams combining for 26. Miles Jr. threw in 12 of his own. And West Virginia gets it done over Texas. And I start in the Big 12 because, look, this is best top-to-bottom league in college basketball. It's a seven-bid league. That eight team is Texas, and they're not going to get in, if you ask me. The Longhorns, six and nine in this league, have really fallen off. Have really fallen off. It's disappointing to see Rick Barnes' team be in this type of a position, and that's one of the initial reactions I have tonight on the college basketball scoreboard. Kansas, with the half-game lead, three games left, they'll host Texas this Saturday, and then they will host West Virginia. They lost at West Virginia on February 16, 62-61. But this Kansas team, they'll then go to Oklahoma. That will be a tough matchup for them. This Jayhawks team, which got blown away by Kentucky on November 18, 72-40. Boy, that seems so long ago. Perry Ellis, when he gets a little bit of help, Cliff Alexander can can keep it rolling. Selden's in the backcourt. Uber continues to take big-time leaps. Uh, It's a team that I really like. We're going to welcome in Tyler Ricky Tynes coming up on the show. But I do like the Jayhawks, Elite Eight potential. I don't think that this is a Final Four team, but I do like them a lot. I do like that team quite a bit, and I think that they once again win the Big 12 regular season crown. Iowa State has had their opportunities, but at random moments, Fred Hoiberg's team has had a couple losses where you scratch your head. Speaking of losses that you scratch your head at, Notre Dame welcomes in Syracuse tonight. Let's turn to the ACC now. And the Fighting Irish lose 65-60 to to the Orange, who have nothing to play for except pride. Notre Dame, I, I know that this is only the ninth-ranked team in the country's fifth loss of the season. Notre Dame has had a fantastic season under Mike Bright. They have been one of the country's biggest surprises, if not the biggest surprise in the country, really. Notre Dame has been massively surprising. I didn't see this coming from them in the ACC. But tonight you lose to Syracuse, and at this time of year it's tough to be in your home gym and to fall. That's a tough loss, and Syracuse is a great team. But Syracuse is not the Syracuse uh, that we've known the past years. And that's why, to be honest with you, that's why Syracuse put a ban on themselves and their program, and that's why I think in the end it's probably a clever move. Syracuse is not going to make, be making a big run in the NCAA tournament. They get it done tonight, playing with pride, and maybe this is really a good thing in the end for Jim Beheim's program in the aspect of uh, you've got some players here learning the hard way. Now, for these seniors, it's tough, but some of the younger guys, who knows what this does? Mentally, it could be very interesting to see how Syracuse responds in the future. That's another result tonight. We're going to welcome in Tyler Ricky Tynes here in just a second. Wisconsin falls at Maryland, 59-53. to 53. And once again, we see backcourt play can drive a team. Des Wells can do that. Maryland does it tonight. They win by six. That Big Ten showdown. Wisconsin I still like, but I'm moving Villanova into that top slot, a team that's not a one seed, that's not on the one line right now, but – if one of the top four teams in the country, and that is Kentucky, as well as Virginia, as well as Duke and Gonzaga, if one of those four teams is to drop, then the one seed belongs to Villanova, 
Right now, it's hard for me to say otherwise. They're running the table in the Big East tournament. I think we're in for a wild tournament beyond Villanova. But it's hard to go against the Wildcats right now. And to talk about the Wildcats and beyond in college basketball, we go to Tyler Ricky Pine, Vespi Nation, covering Big East basketball and beyond. And Tyler, how are you tonight? I'm good, John. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, Tyler, people may look at Villanova and think, oh, look what happened last year. I mean, they, they lost to Seton Hall in the Big East tournament. They went to the NCAA tournament, pretty early exit. But you know what, Tyler? What makes this year's team to me is the idea that they're not only getting it done in the backcourt, but they are really – they've almost force-fed the ball down low to keep the balance. And Daniel Oshefu's a different man. Pinkston's a different player. Hilliard's a different player. This can be a Final Four team. You know, I, I don't know how much I'm sold on them being a Final Four team yet. It's, it's very hard for me to assume that. I guess because I watch them every single day, and I, and I talk to Jay, you know, maybe, maybe once or twice a week or a few times a month, and it's, to, to be around that organization, it, it's hard to really say that yet. And it's hard to say that because we know what Villanova has done since their last Final Four appearance. We know that how this Villanova the team has disappointed since 2010. So it's hard to jump on the same bandwagon what it seemed like the last two seasons in a row, deservingly so, by the way, before we see this team play a team that actually can give them a fit matchup-wise. You look around the Big East yeah. Conference, and there's maybe only one or two teams that can give Villanova, maybe three tops, that can give Villanova fits matchup-wise. St. John's, Georgetown, Providence. They handled Providence today, even though Providence was shorter, man. They handled Georgetown their last matchup against Georgetown, and they've had some iffy games with St. John's the last two years, really. So Villanova is coming out on top in all these games. They deserve to be back-to-back regular season champs. They deserve all the success they have. The thing, though, is that when they get to the NCAA tournament and when they get to the Big East tournament, that's when we will really know who Villanova is. And I won't put stock in Villanova as anything more than a Sweet 16 team until I see Villanova win a Big East tournament championship. That's when we can know how elite this team really is, that they can punch it in and go the length of the field. Tyler, Ricky, time joining us with SB Nation. Covers Villanova very closely. Tyler, do you think that there's that big of a gap between Villanova and everybody else in the Big East right now? I, don't, I won't say it's that big of a gap. I will say there's a gap. There's a small gap between Villanova and then, there's a, and then the next group is Georgetown, Providence, a little bit is Xavier and St. John's. It's, it's those other four. Like, those are the five tournament teams. There's another tournament team in there that escaped my mind right now. Um, but, but really those five. After those four, then it's the next jumping talent. So it's a little bit of a gap. But, and that's the reason Butler why I as well. see how Big East – Butler, that team I was forgetting, Butler, who's played great basketball in the last five to ten games. The thing is – and all of those six teams are tournament teams, by the way, right now. <clears throat> the thing, though, is that when Villanova goes – into the Big East tournament, just, just just for starters. How they play in that tournament after last year's upset will tell us a lot about Villanova. It'll tell us a lot about how coaches who have seen this team the third time, how they can successfully plan against this team. I mean, this is the same Villanova team that if they go cold from beyond the arc, they look a little lost offensively. The same team that Dylan Ennis aside doesn't really guard great on the perimeter, individually in one-on-one sets. So that's where we want to see Villanova. We want to see how much they have matured. The first step to maturity for Villanova isn't another 26-2 season in the regular season. It's, it's not replicating that same regular season success from last year. 
it, what it is is it's, it's, get, it's getting to the finals of the Big East tournament. Once they do that, we can really talk about Villanova's legitimacy. And I genuinely think last year, I, in no way did I think after the Big East tournament that Villanova was a Sweet 16 team, in no way, shape, or form. This year, I, I, I confidently believe they're a Sweet 16 team at minimum. Now, the ceiling for this team is Final Four. The bare bones, like, well, it, leaving yeah. the season this year should, should be Sweet 16 or bust for Villanova. Tyler Ricky Tynes joining us in SB Nation, making his debut here on Lady Nine Hoops. It's great to have him on. He covers not only Villanova, but the entire Big East. And, Tyler, what a showdown we have Saturday in Madison Square Garden now, a noon tip time between St. John's and Georgetown. And the Hoyas cracking the pole, taking on a Red Storm team that, well, is on a roll right now. Uh, you take a look at this team, and they have won six straight Big East home games. Uh, they've won five of their last six. And, Tyler, I don't think there's a more impactful player in this league right now than Sir Dominic Pointer. The six-foot-six big man is uh, – he's six-foot-six, but he's playing like he's six-foot-ten. He's an absolute beast right now. And St. John's is not getting much out of Chris Obekpa. But you know what? The, the fact that they aren't getting a whole lot out of him and they're playing this well – and they're playing the way that they are behind Harrison, behind Pointer. It shows experience matters. And Steve Lavin's team, if they can get a win Saturday at the Garden, Tyler, it's hard to leave them out of the NCAA tournament. They are in, in my mind. I think right now, especially right now, they definitely deserve to be in. I, th- I think I saw on the, the Fox Sports 1 broadcast, um, whoever the Fox Sports 1 bracketologist was, I think he has them at a 9 right now. or either, either a Yeah, nine Stuart or Mandel. Yeah, Stuart Mandel has them either at a 9 or a 12, I believe. And, and that's about right for them after kind of the shaky season they've had. But the last stretch that, that St. John's has had has been tremendous. I've always been high on D'Angelo Harrison. Always, always, always been high on him. And Sir Dominic Pointer has played out of his mind in the last 10 games. It's a shame they're not getting much for Obeka. But when you look at his skill set, just having him there as an elite rim protector, somebody who when you're a point guard, if you're getting into the lane and you know he's going to be there, that's enough for them right now. His rebounding and his rim protecting is going to be enough for them. But the elite guard play they've showed from Harrison and then the play that Dominic Pointer has shown, these guys might be legitimate. But the other thing about St. John's is that they're still St. John's. They're known to disappoint. They're known to fade out and then go to the NIT. And then at the same time, St. John's only playing about seven or eight guys. How long can they keep going with such a short bench? This is true, and many – hey, you know what? There's some very good teams in the country that are only playing seven or eight guys. I mean, that, that's a fact for sure, but you know what? St. John's, you're, you're right in the idea that they don't have a ton of depth, but you know what? They do have leadership, and the way Pointer's playing, he's averaging over 17 per game in his last six. And then on top of that, you know what? Rishi Jordan has been has been solid. And then the emergence of Phil Green the fourth, from a guy that was averaging just about seven points per game last year to a guy in double figures now, uh, he gives them a boost as well. And you know what? For Steve Lavin, it, it almost is a storybook script as well for D'Angelo Harrison. I don't think there are many more players that are going to go down in St. John's history to be more than a gamer than the one that is D'Angelo Harrison, who's got – calf muscle issues right now and is playing right through them. And, Tyler, he's not going down. He, he won. I, I watched that game. I think it was at the Garden when, when St. John's played it close to Villanova. I think it was all the way up until that last six minutes and then Villanova might have pulled away. Excuse me. But 
for the last two seasons I've been watching D'Angelo Harrison, there's in, in the Big East right now, there might be one or two tougher guards than him. And even that is yeah. arguable. He might be the best pure scorer in the Big East, especially from the guard position. And he just brings that team so much. Like You, you, you don't see another guy, really, who just puts it all on the court at the guard position. Great crossover, doesn't play bad defense, can get to the rim whenever he needs to be, can shoot from 26 feet. He, he just is the complete package. And for a St. John's team that's been so wishy-washy the last two years, you need a guy like him to make a run like this with your team. Without him, and really without Pointer as well, don't, don't get me wrong, Pointer's been great the last six games. But without, without Harrison first, you need to build your base. Without Harrison, St. John doesn't have as much relevancy. Tyler Ricky Tyne joining us from SB Nation and Georgetown, the Hoyas. They will take on St. John's on Saturday. The Hoyas have won three in a row, beat St. John 79-57 to last week in what was a pretty commanding victory. You look at the Hoyas overall, though, 18-8 and overall, 10-5 and in the Big East, an RPI of 22, a strength of schedule uh, that is second in the country. And you take a look at this team, they've not only got Devonta Smith-Rivera, they've not only got Joshua Smith, but they have freshmen that have emerged at the right time. And Isaac Copeland, on top of that, LJ Peak, both Big East Rookie of the Year candidates. Are they the biggest threat to Villanova? I believe so. And, and I've been saying this since October at Big East Media Day. In fact, I had Georgetown pegged as the best team in the Big East coming out of Big East Media Day. I like their confidence coming off such an, such an uncharacteristic season for a, George, a very history and story Georgetown program last year. Coming off that season, you bring in a five-star guy like Isaac Copeland. You bring in a four-star guy like L.J. Peak, Paul White, who played alongside, uh, I think it was either Jalil Okafor or, was, or was Tyus. I don't remember which one. Uh, was it Tyus or Jalil Okafor that, he, that Paul White played with? I think it was Jalil. But, um, yeah, played play some, play some great Chicago hoops. You just got, these, you, you got, you got three polished freshmen. Then they brought another yeah. freshman guy that was also very good. And then you combine that with that senior leadership. Georgetown is still, I mean, for, having, for being an eight-loss team, they might be the most dangerous 18-18 in the NCAA right now. You can't really put anything above going through those eight losses, and those eight losses come against top-tier opponents, the second-best strength of schedule in the country. I mean, Georgetown's a battle-tested team. I would still like to see them in the finals for the Big East tournament. And if, you're, if, it's, if it's filling over Georgetown in the finals of the Big East tournament, nothing will be better. Nothing. Fantastic matchup that could be. And you look at the way this conference sets up, and what a refreshing year for the Big East. The new Big East, which last year went through some tough times, uh, this season, safe to say, has put itself back on the map. And you know what else is really interesting here, Tyler? Tyler, Ricky Times, SB Nation joining us. The fact that you're still seeing those back-end teams have had their flashes. So Marquette. Okay, they've had a tough year, but Steve Wojciechowski is on the recruiting trail. He's been able to get some good things done. Uh, we've seen Seton Hall, and although things have gone rough here, still do have some potential uh, with some of the talent that they have on the table, and, and we'll see what Kevin Willard and the Pirates can try and do. They've been in a deep slump, but still, uh, Isaiah White, has, his name speaks for itself, and he's got potential. On top of that, even Oliver Purnell and DePaul have been better. Uh, Creighton's had a down year. Uh, that's That's true, but you know what? The conference as a whole, going into this tournament, much, much more parity than last year. It's nice to see that each and every team in some way has something to, 
to take away that that's good. And that's the one thing that Big East coaches. It, it seems like every time you get Big East coaches on a tel, on a media teleconference, that's the first thing, the first word. It's, it's like it's scripted for each coach that they talk about. The parity. Jay Wright says it all the time, even outside of conferences. The parity of the Big East. How good is the Big East inside the Big East? Well, this year kind of proved that. You look at the non-conference, and, and the Big East at one point was winning 86% of its games. The Big East performed as a conference in the non-conference schedule. Villanova, Georgetown, Butler, all looked great in the non-conference. Everybody looked great in the non-conference. You come in conference, you know, everybody gets battered and bruised. But DePaul at one point in time was on top of the Big East. DePaul was playing Villanova at 3-1 and one for the best team in the Big East maybe week four in conference play. That was unheard of for DePaul. St. John's was, is now on a run. Butler looks shaky to start the year, and then they get another, another top 25 ranking. Keaton Hall gets ranked for the first time since when, maybe 1993? It's been years. The Big East as a whole has had its ups and downs. At Marquette, you look at Wojo, he's bringing in a very lauded class. Hanif Cheatham, uh, Henry Ellison, and they just signed another kid yesterday on a verbal commitment. Well, they didn't sign. They got a verbal commitment from a kid the other day. This conference is looking better and better and better. Last year, the Big East was like a cupcake. This year, the Big East has gotten a little bit more legitimacy in its in-conference, and maybe next year is going to be the year when they might take another leap by this time. I mean, doing it in the non-conference is one thing, but having it about to be March and people saying the Big East is maybe a top-four conference in the country – that's that's when you know you've reached that level of legitimacy. You get Jalen Brunson coming into the league, Henry Ellison. You're getting a lot of talent coming back to the Big East. And if that continues, I mean, there, there's going to be no denying the conference at that point. Tyler Rookie Tynes of SB Nation. Tyler, tell us where we can find you on Twitter and where we can find you on the web. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Ricky Tynes, T-Y-L-E-R-R-I-C-K-Y-T-Y-N-E-S. You'll find all my work at TylerRickyTynes.com or at SB Nation. Tyler, thanks so much for your time. We'll have you on again. Appreciate it, John. I'll talk to you. Tyler Ricky Tynes joining us. The golden tones of Tyler Ricky Tynes on Late Night Hoops. We've got about seven minutes left to go. And that is what makes it time for some bracket talk. And teams that are going to bust open the bracket potentially. And we are staying in the metro area. There are fewer teams hotter than the Iona Gales, 23-6. and six. They are at the top of the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. This team has not lost since January 18th. What a job being done right now by this coaching staff. And you look at what they've done. And they've been able to put up one of the country's best offenses, 80.3 points per game. That's seventh in the country, team point six. Share the basketball well. And the Gales, 16-2 and two in the back. A three-game lead here. They've locked it all up. Iona in a great spot right now, entering the MAC tournament to be going dancing. They will welcome Manhattan on Friday, and then they travel to St. Peter's on March 1st. But you take a look at the league standings, and what a great position here as Iona entering the NCAA tournament uh, could be a real threat if they're able to take that MAC tournament, and I think that they will. Uh, you've got to watch, folks, if they're on your NCAA tournament bracket. Uh, this team clearly right now is the best in the MAC, clearly. Uh, they have shown that. This offense is really good, and one of the things that I look at is 
not only uh, one guy that's averaging over 20 points per game in David Lowry, but then you've got A.J. English, and he's averaging 19.4. Lowry out of East Orange, New Jersey, with 20 and nine and a half rebounds per game at six foot nine. They've got a guy who has really figured out a way to stretch the floor and get to the rim. Uh, he's been quite the talent and will pull up from three-point range as well. So, even Laurie and Iona, a team to watch here as we go forward. The Gales, one that I like to win the MAC tournament and one that I like to do big things against the NCAA tournament potentially. Then there's a big-time showdown in the Atlantic Sun. You remember FGCU, Dunk City? Well, they're back. Florida Gulf Coast has not lost since January 14th. That was at North Florida, 80-64. to They square off again tomorrow night at the games on ESPN3. There's a plug for friends over at ESPN3. FGCU will welcome North Florida this time, as it is the Eagles who currently in the Atlantic Sun, hold a one-game lead. North Florida, with a win tomorrow, and FGCU could take that lead back on the tiebreaker. FGCU at 21-7. and And you take a look at this team, and uh, you know what? They were able to get a win over UMass. Uh, they fell to Green Bay earlier this season. But uh, I-, I tell you what, I really do like them a lot. They lost to Xavier. They lost to Iona. They lost to Pitt. They weren't able to get one more big-time win, but I still really like this FGCU team because they've got veterans. They've got guys who've done it before. Brent Colmer's back. Remember him? Remember Welcome to Your Kodak moment? He's averaging 12.7 points per game. You remember that call from Reggie Miller uh, when Kevin Harlan and the company uh, were able to call that outstanding, outstanding upset run by FGCU a few years ago. One team to watch is FGC, led by Bernard Thompson, with 13.9 points per game. And on top of that, as we're winding down the show here, trying to get to as many teams as you need to watch. So there's two, folks, Iona as well as FGCU. A couple of teams to watch. The Wofford Terriers are another one. The Terriers right now, according to Joe Lenardi, uh, he's got them as a 12th seed. And this is a team in the Southern. They have had a very good season. The one thing I wish that they had, if you're Wofford, you know, a top 50 statement, something like that, but an RPI that's just outside the top 50. Uh, one team that I really do like because the way that they play in the non-conference schedule, they scheduled very tough. And this goes back to, we talk about this all the time, if you're not taking advantage of the non-conference schedule in college basketball, and the opportunities that you have, uh, you're doing yourself wrong. You really are. You've got to get your team on the map in non-conference play. Wofford has done that. Once again, RPI of 53. And their non-conference strength of schedule, folks, tells me that, you know what, they were able to schedule some tough games. They beat Iona. They beat NC State. Lost to West Virginia, lost to Duke. I do like the Terriers here going forward a team that has shown some good strides as the season's gone on. You take a look at where they currently stand in the Southern right now, the Wofford Terriers, a team that I really do like. And, and take a look at the Southern here. You know, it's the type of league that, that Wofford's been able to 
take advantage of. Remember the Mercer Bears. That's the team last year that was able to get things done. But they have a one-game lead on Chattanooga. Wofford at the top, RPI of 53. I like them to finish up in the Southern. I like them to really be a potential team that could cause some problems because, once again, another team with a tough matchup and a kid that can do everything in Carl Cochran, 15.2 points per game, 5.9 boards per game, 2.7 assists per game, can do it all at six foot one. A dynamic, dynamic guard that I really enjoy watching and another one to watch. The Missouri Valley is going to have two teams, uh, Northern Iowa, finds itself in the top ten as well as Wichita State. So, we're in for another good year on the Missouri Valley. The Max Mid-American, a one to watch. Toledo right now playing good basketball. Valparaiso as well in the Horizon League. Valparaiso right now with the two-game lead upon Cleveland State and company. I'm intrigued to see how that finishes up as well. Well, we're winding down the show here, and we talked to Tyler Ricky Times, a great conversation with him. Really excited for that Saturday showdown between Georgetown St. John's. Josh Adams will have coverage for us, collegehoopsdigest.com. That's where you can find all the information right now on the one line. Like I said, I don't think there's any dispute. Kentucky, Virginia, Gonzaga, Duke, but that new team that's in there, it's just on the outside looking in, that's Villanova. I think they're the fifth-best team in the country. I do think that they have a Final Four ceiling. And it's because of the, the great play of Pinkston Noshepu down low combined for 16 boards tonight in a route, uh, a coming-to-Jesus moment over Providence. That does it for us on Late Night Hoops. Thanks to Tyler Ricky Tines for joining us. Go to collegehoops.us.com for the latest college basketball coverage. I'm John Fanta. Good night, everybody. See you.